Everyone who knows me knows that my dogs are never short on outfits. I buy leashes and collars like some people buy shoes and handbags. And my favorite collar is Iggy's custom-made Paco collar. Paco collars are 100% handmade from scratch by an amazing staff of artists, and the quality really is unparalleled. My dogs can't have collars that don't withstand wear and tear. They hike, they swim, they roll on dead stuff. These collars are guaranteed to last a lifetime, and they're designed to be worn by active dogs like mine. Iggy's collar is perfect for her. It's got purple stones, stars, and a beautiful design. There are literally thousands of design options to choose from, but don't worry. The staff at Paco loves helping customers pick out the best collar for their pets. That's exactly what they did when I went to their booth with Iggy. And they make stuff for humans too, so get over to PacoCollars.com and buy the best collar you've ever had, and don't forget to enter promo code COGDOG for free shipping. You all know how excited I am about Worked Up Camp, and I hope you're excited too. Working spots are full, but we've still got plenty of room for auditors. The camp is in Port Orchard, Washington, and it is September 28th through September 30th. It's going to be a ton of fun, lots of learning, really great community, and I can't wait. So hop over on the both the Cog Dog Radio and the Cognitive Canine Facebook pages have information on camp, and you can always join the camp event page. Just search for Worked Up Camp, and you'll find it, and you can get all the details there as well. So I hope to see you at camp. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of the Cognitive Canine. This is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, crate training for puppies. It's something that comes up all the time. And it recently came up in my little world um, in kind of a big way. And it seems like there's really huge opinions out there on this. And so I just want to talk a little bit about what my experience has been and what my current process is. So when I say crate training, I mean teaching a puppy to be able to relax in a crate with people, without people, wherever they happen to be. In the car, in the house, at a dog show. It's important to me that my adult dogs can relax in a crate, no matter where they are or what's happening, you know, kind of within reason. Um, And how we get them there, especially if they come to us with no crate experience, matters and is really important. I think in the positive dog training world, um, the concept of letting the puppy cry it out or basically cry until they stop crying and then you can let them out um, is still really popular because we're not doing anything to them. You know, there are certainly more aversive techniques available. Um, like you could spray the puppy with water. You could put a, a shot collar on the puppy. You could put a citronella collar on the puppy. You could shake the crate until the puppy shuts up. These are all things that I learned about um, early, early on in my dog training career. I'm really happy that um, my first dogs were actually pretty easy crate trains and I didn't do any of that stuff to them. But I know 
more than one people who are very positive in most of their training who utilize some of those techniques to get their puppies to be quiet in a crate. And I think that we can all get on board with the concept that if you're doing stuff like that, it's probably out of desperation. It's probably because you really need the thing to be quiet and you don't know how else to make them quiet. Um, I also know people who simply, you know, put the dog in the car in the garage in a crate and let them cry it out there because they don't want to listen to it. And all of these things are common practice. So I'm going to tell you about um, my current two dogs, Iggy and Felix, because they're, they've had very different crate training experiences and they're very different dogs when it comes to crating. And I want to talk about why some of those differences might be. Um, certainly they have different genetic backgrounds. They are the same breed, but they have different genetic backgrounds. And I want us to leave that off the table for this discussion because we can't look at it under a microscope. We can't find the happy to be created gene. And so I'm going to assume that while nature and nurture are always working together, the nurture part, what we do is what we have control over and what we can observe um, and do something about. So that's the part that we are going to look at. And I'm going to assume that that's the part that is playing the biggest role here. So I got a G when she was about seven and a half weeks old, which is a little early um, considering what I know now, but that was almost 10 years ago. <laughs> um, she was, you know, just shy of eight weeks old. She was, she was over eight weeks old before she was in her first crate because there was a drive home and she rolled on my lap and, you know, all things that I might do differently now, but that's okay. She came from a farm. She came from a working cattle ranch. Um, her parents were working stock dogs and she was literally whelped and raised in a barn, had never been in a house when I got her. And the first night that I got her home, I put her in a crate by my bed and she screamed bloody murder. She screamed for, and I'm not exaggerating, eight straight hours the first night I had her. She screamed and she cried and she bit at the bars of the crate and she just carried on the entire night. And I thought what I was supposed to do was to ignore her and let her keep crying because that's actually what most of the resources available in the positive reinforcement world tell you to do. The previous world I had been in before Iggy, I would have corrected her. I would have shaken the crate or smacked the top of the crate or sprayed her with water. I'm not saying those are good ideas either, but I actually don't think that they're worse ideas than letting her scream all night. My colleagues all agreed that I did the right thing and just letting her scream. She finally fell asleep early in the morning and that's when I took her out. Um... That was how it started. And, you know, a few weeks later, when she was still screaming most of the night, still screaming if I left her at home in the crate, still really, really carrying on in a crate, um, I was talking about it to some colleagues and they were like, yep, you got to just wait. You got to wait. Some of them thought that if I waited for 30 seconds before I let her out, 30 seconds of silence, that that would be sufficient. Some of them thought I should wait for five minutes of silence. So jury was kind of out on that one. But Basically, everyone was clear you have to wait for her to be quiet to let her out. And so that's what I did. And she did not get better. 
Um, and I actually had a puppy screaming in a crate. And then before long, I had an adult dog screaming in a crate. And I'm going to mention one little thing and just put a pin in it because we'll come back to it later. She never screamed in the car in the crate. Um, she did once early, early on uh, when I was first driving in the car with her. But um, I really only remember that one time. And she was tiny and she was in a huge crate um, that was like an adult size Border Collie crate. And... So put that aside and we'll talk about maybe why I think that is in a bit. But before long, I had an adult dog that could not be confined comfortably. She was screaming, barking the crate at agility. She would do it at home if I left. She was, I had to crate her because I had to work. And so she spent a good portion of every single one of her days fairly distressed. Um, And for the most part... I would go to let her out, I would wait for her to stop screaming, and then I would let her out. And she had screamed all the way up until that point. Um, it's sad for me that I didn't think more outside the box on that one. It's sad for me that I asked my colleagues, and they told me, you wait her out, and you play crate games. That's what they said. And so I did both of those things. And neither of those things were fixing the problem. And instead of thinking outside the box, reaching for more help, I just kept doing what I was doing. And that's the dangerous part here, is that it wasn't working and I didn't change it. And I didn't change it because I just didn't know how. And the people who I thought were the experts also didn't know how and also didn't know what to tell me. So... Fast forward, Iggy's almost 10. She can be in a crate now when I leave her at home. Um, She's always been good in a crate in a car, but she's also pretty good in a crate at dog shows. And that involved systematic desensitization. It involved medication. It involved some major interventions on her life. And, you know, things that shouldn't have had to be necessary. Um to have a dog that could just relax in a crate. So because of that, I have decided on a few things that um, I now do with crate training. Number one, I never make the crate a working space anymore. So I don't train crate games anymore. I don't want the crate to be a working space ever. I always want the the crate to be a place for relaxing. I am never interested in having it be a working space. I don't want the dog uh, explosively releasing out of it. I don't want the dog driving into it. I want the dog to go in it when I ask and to come out of it when I say and to relax in the meantime. I don't want them to think that the crate is a space to earn reinforcement. I want them to think that the crate is a space to relax. And I systematically teach them that. I have a process for it. It's called Happy Crating. I'm going to, I go over it in depth in my online course, The Whole Picture. And I am offering The Whole Picture um, next term. So it starts August 1st on Fenzy Dog Sports Academy. Um, registration opens July 22nd, I believe, on FenzyDogSportsAcademy.com. And... Like I said, I go through happy creating in depth on there. Um, I want them to just think it's a boring 
space to hang out in. I don't want them to think it's a working space. So that's number one. Number two is I don't let them cry it out. So it's pretty normal for you to go to bed and you put your puppy in the crate. Um, I always want the crate next to the bed. I also like the crate to start out on the same level as the bed if possible. You can put it on the bed, you can put it on a table next to the bed, but I don't like it to be on the floor at first. So put the puppy in the crate next to the bed. If the puppy fusses throughout the night, I get up immediately, put a leash on them, carry them directly outside, put them on the ground, anchor the leash to my body, do not move my feet. So I get the puppy, take them directly outside. I do not interact with them. I don't talk to them. I don't show them any affection. I get them out of the crate, take them directly outside. I wait two minutes tops, go right back in, put them back in the crate, go back to bed. If they fuss again, I do the same thing. And that's because I'm always thinking about, you know, the fact that consequences drive behavior. And the puppy is fussing in the crate to get a need met. And the only need I care about when I'm sleeping is that you need to go to the bathroom. So I'm going to act as though that's the need you're asking me to fulfill. And I'm going to take you directly outside. When the puppy learns that fussing in the crate will get that and nothing else, they stop doing it if that's not what they need. So that's what I do now. I did that with Felix. Um, and I've had many clients do that now. And it works great because here's what happens. If you're trying to just wait them out before you take them outside and they start crying and they cry and they cry and they cry and the crying goes through an extinction burst and it gets worse. And then the puppy finally calms down and settles and then you take them out. I think you're just building up the resilience of that crying behavior, it will carry on and carry on because the longer they do it, the closer they might be getting to reinforcement. So I like to just keep that behavior nice and weak. I reinforce right off the bat. They start to whine, fuss, carry on. I take them out immediately, see if they need to go. If they don't need to go, I put them right back up. They learn I'm not going to get snuggles, fun time, whatever, if I wake up mom in the middle of the night. I'm just going to get taken outside. So if that's what I need, then I will cry. And for the rest of my dog's life, they don't wake me up for any other reason. Um, you know, and I just, I need my sleep and I am flat out unpleasant if they try to wake me up for any other reason. So... I, it's very easy for me to just pop a leash on them, take them directly outside and wait. Um, and so that works out for me. I get rid of the crying it out thing. However, understand that if the puppy's in the crate crying, the puppy is expressing that they need something. And I'm interested in meeting needs. I'm interested in making sure that the puppy is okay to settle in the crate now. So I'd make sure that, that puppy got some brain action and got some body action before they had to go in the crate for the night. You know, if you work all day, it is a big responsibility of yours to then come home and spend some good quality social time with that puppy before you put it in a crate. I hope somebody took care of the puppy midday. I hope it wasn't in a crate all day. Um, and I, in fact, if the puppy's going to be left for long hours, I don't leave them in a crate. I leave them in a 
smaller, just confined area in the house, um, gate off the kitchen, something like that, use a large X-Pen. I'm not interested in really that kind of tight confinement for long periods of time. I think that we are shooting ourselves in the foot with that. Um, none of them like to be in a tiny cage for long periods of time. This myth of dogs being den animals and liking their crate, they like their crate if we do our jobs making that a positive space for them. Um, or some dogs I know like their crate because it allows them to escape any of the environmental pressures that are going on. And that's great, but they're not hardwired to like to be in a tiny cage. Nobody is. So I don't like them to be in a tiny cage during the day. I like them to be, to have a lot more freedom of move, of movement than that. But let's say you were at work and the dog was in, was generally speaking isolated in their space you get home they need you they need that social interaction so spend a lot of good quality time with them uh, lots of play lots of you know puppy safe exercise lots of enriching um, food activities make sure that they are nice and good and fulfilled before you actually go to bed because that was another problem when I was raising Iggy um, I was working way too much I was working kind of ridiculous hours and um, didn't have much left to give when I came home at the end of the day. And that's a problem. I was coming home at lunch and feeding her and putting her back up. And I was, um, and I was training her while I fed her and I would come home and I would train her again and feed her. And we might go on a short, you know, puppy safe walk. We might play in the backyard, but then I pretty much needed to go to bed and she wound up getting just plain, as far as I'm concerned, not enough. Um, not enough activity. So think about those things, definitely. And know also that there's actually really good research in human babies on letting them cry it out in the crib and why that's not a good idea and why that actually hardwires the brain for anxiety later on. Um, just do a quick Google search of crying it out in babies and the research will come up. It's compelling. Um, if you, maybe you're a parent, maybe you raise kids that you let them cry it out and you figure, you know, they turned out fine so I can let my puppy cry it out. I urge you to read the research because I think you might find it interesting. Um, so as I mentioned, Felix and Iggy, very different experiences. Um, let me talk a little bit about how I raised Felix with the crate. First of all, his breeder did a better job than Iggy's breeder. Like I mentioned, Iggy's breeder was a rancher. They were raised in a barn. She'd never been in a crate when I got her. Felix's breeder, polar opposite. Um, she did puppy culture. She took three weeks off of work, totally off of work, and then did um, like part-time work the rest of the time that she had the puppies. She did a what I would call a gradual introduction two crating for him and his sister it was actually just a litter of two and what happened was there was a crate available with a nice cushy bed in it in their play area and then when she noticed natural normal nap time starting to happen during the day she put them in a crate together for their nap time and then at night they slept together in a crate by her bed um, up until I think she said they were probably six weeks old and then she put them in two separate crates by her bed. Um, they both transitioned so beautifully into just sleeping in a crate. When I got him, I put him in a crate by my bed and he went straight to sleep. He was like, oh yeah, this is normal. 
this is how this goes. Man, what a what a great gradual approach. He got to have his sister. Then he got to have her right next to him. And then he wasn't worried about it. And she didn't do any big separation where they knew that the other one was on the other side of the room and they were screaming for the other one. She just, they slept next to each other in crates until I took him home. And he transitioned so nicely. And then I didn't crate him during the day if I had to leave him. I had him in an X-Pen area. Um, I took him to work with me a lot. And that, you know, sometimes he was in a crate. Sometimes he was in an X-Pen. Sometimes he was just uh, kind of free in my friend's office who ran the training facility. Um, I would say that Iggy was exposed to excessive amounts of crate time and that didn't help her situation. And Felix was not. He was exposed to very little crate time. Um, but just enough crate time to be very, very comfortable in a crate. He's comfortable in the crate in the car. He's comfortable in a crate at dog shows. Um, I think if I decide to uh, fly him someday to compete, I think he'll be fine in a crate on an airplane. And these are really big things that I don't think are an accident. So his breeder started out with that gradual approach. I got him. He slept in a crate and he was expend during the day and occasionally crated during the day. Now I do give enrichment things in the crate. I try not to give super exciting stuff, but I do give a bone, maybe a meal, maybe a Kong in the crate because that actually goes on for my dog's lives. I give them Kongs every day. I give them raw bones a couple times a week. They have them in crates. A lot of that is just mess control. <laughs> a lot of that is just keeping that um, Kong stuff from off of my carpet and the, you know, raw bones too. So I also have six dogs in this house. So crating during mealtimes can be a really good management piece, really important. And I want them to know that the crate is where they get those things, um, for life. So I gave him all kinds of, you know, the first like smoked bison bone he got was in a crate. The first raw bone he got was in a crate. Um, Though I did those things on purpose. I wanted him to have good experiences in the crate. And I also made sure that that crate was in a private space. I didn't want anybody, any of my client's dogs approaching him while he was in the crate with his bone. I always want to make sure that the crate is seen as a safe space for them. So I did that as well. And this comes back to basically everything that I train. I never ask them for more than for more than they can actually do. So if I know my puppy cannot be quiet in a crate for an hour while I teach a private lesson while I'm in plain view of him, then I'm not going to ask him to do that. I'm going to put the crate somewhere else. If I know my puppy can't be quiet in a crate, you know, in a separate room from me, if he needs to see me, then I let him see me. Um, I don't ask them to be in a crate for eight straight hours when I know they can't hold their bladder that long, when I know that they're going to become distressed at some point. So never asking for more than they're capable of doing is how you're going to get to point B. So often we just throw them into the fire. We just say, okay, here's the snake pit, figure out how to get out. Um, this reminds me a lot of people who sit ringside with their puppies watching agility and the second their puppy gets excited or barks, they correct them. Um, I don't have my puppies, my dogs watching agility until they're capable of watching agility. And 
that's me recognizing that there are other skills at play. They need to be able to lay calmly while exciting things are happening. And I teach them that. Um, that's another thing I teach in the whole picture. So creating is no different from any other skill. I want the dog to be able to do it because it is a part of a good, healthy, fulfilled dog life for them. And if they can do it, they have a, they have a bigger life. They have, um, more capability. I can take them on road trips. I can take them on airplanes. I can take them to, you know, different dog shows. It's important. And it's also really important to me that my puppies don't learn that their cries of distress will be ignored. Um, and you have to understand that I think it's just as important as the next person to have a dog that does not bark at me to get things or to get out of a crate. But again, I'm going to teach them other skills so that they can actually ask um, for what they need. And I try to respect what they need most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes it is about what the person needs. And in that case, dog's just going to have to chill out. But you know What's cool and what happens is that if you put in all this time to make sure that the crate is a safe, happy, fine place for relaxation, then that day that you need them to just be in a crate and shut up about it, they're way more capable of doing it. Um, and so you're just kind of helping yourself in the long run. And I said I would come back to this. So why was Iggy always fine in the crate in the car? I don't know for sure. I think there's a lot of factors we could consider, but I think it's because it was a more gradual introduction. First of all, it was a bigger space, so it felt more like an X-Pen to her. Second of all, I was always right there. I was always driving. So I couldn't pay deliberate attention to her. So I wasn't feeding her. She never learned that it was a working space. She always learned it was just a relaxing space. Um, if she cried or fussed, I would talk to her a little bit, and then she would stop if she fussed in such a way that I thought she needed to go to the bathroom, I would pull over and get her out. Um, so she learned that she was never going to be in there for too long. Her needs were always going to be met. She learned that I was always going to be right there. And I think if we did it more like that in our homes, we would have more success. And that's kind of the um, theory that I play off of in my happy creating protocol. So... I would love to see you guys sign up for the whole picture. It's a class that means a lot to me. It's all about the four steps to behavioral wellness. And like I mentioned, it is running in the August term at Fenzy Dog Sports Academy. So get over there and sign up. Um, I believe registration opens July 22nd. So get over there, sign up. I would love to see you. It's all about the four steps and happy creating is a huge, huge part of it. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.